All right, everyone. What's good? Welcome back to the Heart to Heart podcast. My name is Hafiz, and this is the third season and the 16th episode. Today, we have a special guest, Terry. Welcome. Hafiz, thanks for having me on. I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Please don't make this complicated. What about all right, so as usual, we are going to start off with the gaming aspect of it. For those of you who don't know how it works, we're going to be asking each other three lighthearted questions, and in each of those questions, we're going to be incorporating three random words into our answers. Ready to get started? I am ready. All right, let's do it. All right. My first question for you is, if you were a beverage, which one would you be? And your words are goal, training, and leaf. If I were a beverage, I'd probably be um, a Gatorade because I would uh, I'd be doing a lot of training. And so Gatorade would allow me to, to rehydrate. And my understanding is that... Uh, Gatorade has gone to a, a new beverage uh, with a tea leaf in it. And so I would be very interested in going to the store and trying to get that beverage and seeing how it tasted. Awesome. Well done. Thank you. All right, your turn, huh? Yes. All right, here we go. So what's the craziest bet that you ever made? And your words are belly, publish, and explain. Okay. Uh, I know sometimes uh, on my end, sometimes on my end, it gets a bit frustrating to explain to certain people that I usually, I don't bet, like bet as in put money on betting. Um, but I do have these little, uh, I don't know if challenges is the right term, but where I'll look, tell someone, hey, you know, I'm pretty, I, I'll tell them, I'll be like, Hey, you know, I bet, um, that team is going to win, uh, this or this. And b basically the biggest one that I had, and it was actually published in our group chat was where, uh, we were deciding we were, or we had a discussion between, uh, which team would win the league. So in the premier league, there were two teams that were competing. It was, um, that stage was Manchester city and Liverpool. They were competing. And so, uh, this was, there was like, I think it's like seven or eight games left in the season. And I told one of my friends, I was like, yo, um, I am pretty sure Man City will win the league. And he was like, no, Liverpool wins. Liverpool will win. And I was like, all right, here's the deal. Whoever loses has to buy a jersey from the other team, put it on, it's got to cover their belly, and they have to wear that around for an entire day. Uh, luckily I won that one, but, uh, that, that spanned over such a long period of time to a point I was like, wow, that was, that was, that was historic from my personal life. So, uh, yeah, that's that. Very good. Very good. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. My next question for you, what kitchen or which kitchen appliance do you use most often? often and your words are glide green and favorite so my 
favorite kitchen appliance is a green, um, it's called a glide mop. So you use it to uh, work on tile and things like that, or clean up tile uh, on the kitchen counter and things like that. So I, I'd say that would be my favorite kitchen appliance or kitchen product. Nice. Nice. You just, you just, you just combine it all. Well done. <laughs> all right. It. Are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So what's the dumbest way that you've ever been injured in your life? <laughs> and your words are test pavement and document. Okay. <laughs> I this was this one experience was a test to see how much strength I had, mental strength, and I have the documents to prove it. Um so there was this one time I was uh in my room and I hung up a uh I think it was like a bed sheet or something like that. It got wet, so like I just hung it up at the door. And so I was I was walking in, and at that stage, it, it did dry. So I was pulling it out. I was like pulling it off the the door itself, right? When I pulled it off, though, I pulled it off a little too hard, and <laughs> I, I pulled a muscle um, on my back, and uh, I wasn't able to play for uh for, for a little for a little while it felt like it felt like honestly that sounds like the same impact that i have if i just just fell on on pavement or or concrete or something like that but it was very um it's a very dumb way <laughs> of getting injured for something that is very basic i not a fun moment of mine but uh you know you just you gotta have them sometimes it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. So my last question for you is, what is your favorite zoo animal? And your words are, sorry, your words are um, undress, fund, and appendix. Well, my favorite zoo animal is an elephant. Um, and the reason it's my favorite is, is because I kind of felt sorry one time. I, I, I lived in Columbus, Ohio, and I went to the zoo, and uh, they were raising money. There was a fund that was going on to um, basically pay for the operation to take the appendix out of this elephant. And, you know, th this elephant had all kinds of dust and straw and everything on it so that they almost it was almost like they were undressing the elephant in order to do the surgery once they had raised all this money so i i was able to sort of observe the surgery from on far when they took the appendix out and you know ever since then i've fallen in love with elephants damn beautiful amazing all right here's yours last one Yes. What is something that you hate that you wished you loved? And your words are dry, here, 
and lend. I want to get a second to think about that. Um, okay, let's do this. Alright. I uh, hear this a lot. A lot of people are like, hey, you know, running is so, so important. Or, or doing cardio. Let me, let me, let me, doing cardio at the gym. I hear a lot of people saying, when they go to the gym, they're like, you know, I'm going to go there. I'm going to just do cardio for whatever reason. And um, I absolutely hate that. It's, I, I don't like, there's no reason anyone should go to a gym to do cardio, in my opinion. Will my opinion change later on? I don't know. For now, I stand by it. Um, but, so sometimes you'll see people doing that. See, another thing, like, one thing about running and doing cardio at the gym, though, is like, your mouth tends to get dry, right? Because you run a lot, you're exerting so much energy um, to, to burn a specific amount of calories. Not thinking, it's, it's, Obviously, it has its own benefits, but um, I prefer, uh, what's it called? Uh, lifting, like weightlifting better. Um, but yeah, running, I wish I wish I liked cardio a little bit more. Uh, I think, I think um, it would have been cool if uh, someone who really, really loved cardio did lend part of that aspect of it. And so, so I, uh, kind of, you know, I enjoy a little bit of both instead of being very, very, very anti-cardio in the gym. I do want to clarify going on runs outside. I'm not against that because it's, it's outside. Going on runs are cool, but like to go all the way to a gym to run on a treadmill is not it for me. That's where, uh, I stand with things. So that's the one thing that I, uh. Hate that I wish I didn't. Super. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much. This game was really, really fun. Great questions, by the way. Um, so we're going to jump into the next part of it. You have a story you want to share with us. Is that correct? I, I have had an interesting life. I would say that's probably the case. Yes. <laughs> I'd love it. Can you, uh, would you mind just starting... And literally anywhere. Anywhere, sure. So uh, yeah. I am the I am the oldest of three boys. You cannot tell this from looking at me or from my voice, but I'm six foot eight inches tall, and I played college basketball here in the United States at a military college in South Carolina called the Citadel. When I graduated from college, uh, I moved home to find my first job. I'm really going to date myself now, but this is long before the internet was available to help people find jobs. Uh, fortunately, I found that first job in the corporate headquarters of Wendy's International, the, the hamburger chain in their marketing department. But unfortunately, I ended up living with my mom and dad for the next three years as I helped my mother care for my father and my grandmother who were both dying of different forms of cancer. In my professional career, as I said, I started off in marketing at Wendy's, then I became a hospital administrator, and then I made a huge pivot in my life and became a police officer. And I spent about four years working undercover narcotics. Uh, I was a SWAT team hostage negotiator. After that, I started my own school security consulting business. I was a girls high school basketball coach for a period of time. In 2019, I made the uh, fateful decision to start a motivational speaking business, which was very difficult, so I had to morph that into more of a podcast situation 
And then in 2020, I published my first book. But for the last 10 years, I've basically been dealing with a rare form of cancer that has seen me have my foot amputated in 2018 and my leg amputated in 2020. And I still have tumors in my lungs right now that I'm being treated for. And then I guess finally my wife and I have been married for 28 years. We have one child, a daughter, who's a graduate of the United States Air Force Academy and is an officer in the new branch of the military here in the U.S., the Space Force. Wow. That's, that, that's a lot. That's amazing. That, that's a lot. That's, that means I'm old. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all I hear is wisdom. That's all I hear. Uh, but I have a question about the book. Can you sure. dive into it a little bit more? What is the book about? So the book is called Sustainable Excellence, The Ten Principles to Leading Your Uncommon and Extraordinary Life. And the book is really born out of two conversations I had. One was with a former player that I had coached who moved to the Colorado area where my wife and I lived. And we had had dinner with her and her fiance. And I remember saying to her one night, you know, I'm really excited that you're living close to me and I can watch you find and live your purpose. And she got real quiet for a while. And she looked at me and she said, well, coach, what do you think my purpose is? I said, I have no idea what your purpose is, but that's what your life should be about. Finding the reason you were put on the face of this earth, use your unique gifts and talents and live that reason. So that was one conversation. And then I had a young man reach out to me on social media and ask me what I thought were the most important things that he should learn to not just be successful in his job or in business, but to be successful in life. And I didn't want to give him the, you know, get up early, work hard, help others kind of stuff. Not that those aren't important. They are. They're very important. But I wanted to see if I could go deeper. So I spent some time and I took some notes. And eventually I had these, you know, 10 thoughts, these 10 ideas, these 10 principles. And so I sent them to him. And then I kind of stepped back and I was like, you know, I've got a life story that fits underneath this principle, or I know somebody whose life emulates this principle. So literally, uh, I had my leg amputated in April of 2020, and I started chemotherapy for the tumors in my lungs in June of 2020. And during that roughly three-month period where I was healing, I sat down at the computer every day, and I built stories underneath each of the principles, and that's how sustainable excellence came to be. It's amazing. So there are 10 different principles you said, right? There are. Which of those, are they organized in most important to least important? So they're all equally important. Yeah. I mean, number one is not any more important than number seven or anything like that. Yeah. If you had to pick one from all of that, which one would it be? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and as an author, it's always fun for me when people read the book and they kind of reach out and they're like, there's always one principle that resonates with the reader, you know, and even even though I wrote them, there's one that resonates with me as well. And, and this is the principle and each principle is a chapter. So the one that I that I like and I'm guilty of it, and that's probably why I like it, is that most people think with their fears and their insecurities instead of using their minds. And I know I've done that. I know I've wanted to do something in life. And it'd be like, ooh, that, that scares me. That That's uncomfortable. I, you know, what are people going to say if I fail? And one of the things that that has taught me, and I try to do this every single day of my life. I try to do one thing 
that makes me nervous, that makes me uncomfortable, that scares me, that is potentially embarrassing. And I, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have, you know, I mean, it could be, you know, I'm going to get up an hour earlier tomorrow, or you know what, I, I'm going to try to work an extra half hour with my prosthetic leg or whatever it is, but something that makes you uncomfortable. And then, because if you do that, you know, we're all going to experience those big things in life. You know, somebody close to us dies or, you know, we end up losing our job and we're living out of our car or whatever it ends up being. But if you do those small things every day, when the big things in life hit, you're going to be so much more resilient and able to handle those than people who just kind of lay back and like, oh, my gosh, this happened. What am I going to do now? You'll know what to do because you've been doing it all along. So what if someone's afraid to get to that stage of, so like they'll know that, you know, they need to push themselves outside their comfort zone in order to be able to adapt to different environments. But what if that first step of pushing outside the comfort zone is where they struggle? How does someone get past that initial step of it? Yeah, you know, I, I talk a lot about motivation, but only motivation is only as good as the person who has it, as the person who's using it to motivate themselves. And you know, I guess the way I look at this is sort of twofold. Number one, we're all going to experience pain, uncomfortableness, difficulty in our lives. Pain is inevitable. And it doesn't have to be a cancer diagnosis or even any kind of an illness. You could, you know, flunk a test at school or break up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or not get the promotion at work that you think you deserve. Pain is inevitable. Suffering, on the other hand, suffering is optional. Suffering is what you do with that pain. Do you take that pain and use it to make you a stronger and more determined individual? Or do you wallow in it and feel sorry for yourself and want other people to feel sorry for you? I always say that we are unique, but I got news for you. We're not all that special. You know, we all have unique gifts and talents, but we're really not that special. But everybody thinks today that, you know, I'm special and you've, you've got to cater for me. The thing about life is life doesn't owe you anything. And life is about the choices that you make. If there's something you want to do in life, and I always recommend this to young people, if there's something in your heart, something in your soul that you believe that you're supposed to do, but it scares you, go ahead and do it. Because at the end of your life, the things you're going to regret are not going to be the things that you did. They're going to be the things you didn't do. And by then it's going to be too late to go back and do that. So pain is inevitable suffering is optional. If there's something in life that you want, figure out what that thing is, figure out what you need to do to get it, and then go after it with everything you've got in your heart. I guess that's the only way I can, that's the way I try to approach life. I know it's not easy because people are afraid. People are like, what is that, what is that person going to say about me? Or, or, you know, are they going to make fun about me? Who cares? Who cares what people say about you? Who cares what people you know, like, oh, you know, Terry's an idiot or something like that. I would never do that. That's right. You would never do that. But but I am going to do it because somebody's got to do it. And, you know, people always say to me, Terry, I could never go through what you've gone through, you know, with your cancer journey. I could never do that. And I sort of sometimes I'm a smart aleck about it. And I'll be like, you know, yeah, you're right. You could because you've already decided in your mind that you cannot do this. Why would you start anything? Why would you do anything in life with the attitude that I'm going to fail? This isn't going to be successful. Why not give yourself the best chance? And I'll, I'll end with this. There's a, there was a basketball coach at the University of Indiana 
uh, a few years ago. He, he's still around. Uh, he's not coaching anymore. His name was Bobby Knight. And Bobby Knight had a, uh, a phrase or, or, or a quote that went like this. Mental is to physical as four is to one. So here's this elite coach playing, you know, who's coaching in the Big Ten here in the United States, who's training elite athletes to use their bodies. But what he's basically saying is your brain, your mind, how you think about things is four times more important than your physical body. That is true. That is true. I mean, all the decisions that you do do come from from uh, from your brain, literally, and your decisions um, pretty much define. Who you are. Your decisions define who you are, really. Um, I have a question about habits. So let's talk a bit about, uh, let's say, some habits that you've um, learned slash used recently that you personally find untouchable. As in, it's one that you just, you demand yourself to have every single time. What are some of those habits? I'll give you four real quick ones. Uh, I call them my four truths. They are, I have them right here on my desk on a post-it note. Uh, they're one sentence each. And they are, to me, I guess, the, the bedrock of my soul. And I, I, the way I look at it is they're a good place to start to build a life off of. And I guess if, if any of your listeners you know, like these, I would, I would offer that you take them and try to incorporate, incorporate them in your life. If only one or two resonate with you, then take those one or two and develop your own as you go along with your life. So here's what they are. Number one is you need to control your mind or your mind is going to control you. Number two is you need to embrace the pain and the difficulty that we all experience in life and use that pain and difficulty to make you a stronger and more determined individual. Number three is more of a legacy truth. I think it's important, regardless of what stage in life you are, that you think about the end game. What are people going to say at your funeral? Or what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? So number three is this. What you leave behind is what you weave in the hearts of other people. And then number four is, I think, pretty self-explanatory. As long as you don't quit, you can never be defeated. And, and I use those truths. I use them every single day to determine, I mean, should I do what my doctor's saying and, and, and do, you know, chemotherapy? Or should I get involved in this project or things like that? They are, in addition to my faith, they are kind of the guiding light that I use to determine how I live my life. I love that. And I think the third one specifically, that's the one thing that could pull someone out of, um, just a lack, complete lack of motivation, right? Just that question to, to that you ask yourself. You're like, "Am I doing enough? Am I uh, like, is this enough for me to become the person I want to be when I'm laying down um, at the last moment in life?" Um, I think that's uh, that's definitely helped me at some moments, without a doubt. Um, I love all four of them. I'm going to be straight up honest with you; they're all really, really effective. Um, but uh, I think the third one did. Uh, resonate with me a little bit more than the other because it's arguably the most powerful one of all the others and as you stated it is something that people could think of at pretty much any age obviously once you develop the, the mental capacity to understand how things are once you hit that stage that could be used as motivation from then on it's uh i like that i like that um 
That's that's awesome. That's great. How has your life changed? So okay, so outside of the actual, I guess, physical impact that the cancer had on you, um, how else has your life changed in terms of like the things around you? Yeah, I, I think illness, whether it's cancer or something else, in a lot of ways tends to isolate you from the the things and the people that you care about. And I think you really find out uh, who your friends are, you know, who the people that are going to be in your corner when you're, you know, throwing up and shaking, doing all these ugly things that, that I do. And I, I guess I think one of the things that I find interesting is I, I had a nurse once ask me, she said, you know, what was it like to have your your foot amputated? What was it like to have your leg amputated? And I told her, I said, it, it certainly has not been easy. I am I'm almost two years past having my leg amputated, and I, I still am learning how to walk with a prosthetic leg. And what I told her is that, you know, cancer can take all my physical faculties, but cancer can't touch my mind, it can't touch my heart, and it can't touch my soul. And that's who I am. That's who you are. This is just a house or a vessel or whatever you want to call it to house who we are. And I think that's that was something that really, I, I heard that, that sort of speech given back in 1993 about cancer can't touch my heart, my mind, and my soul. But I didn't have cancer in 1993. And so I didn't really understand it when the person who gave that speech, you know, was saying that. I'm like, I, I, don't, I don't get that. Well, I get it now. And, and that's definitely one of the big ways that, that my life has changed as a result of, of this disease and, and the treatment that I've gone through for. And what are, what are some ways that people have treated you differently after they found out? Because I'm pretty sure they are. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, you know, when, when I first, you know, started down the cancer road, you know, I had all my limbs and everything, and, and I was six foot eight inches tall, and, and now I'm pretty much in a wheelchair. And I remember when I had my foot amputated, I was, I was walking out of the hospital, and, and I'll, I'll never forget this. And, and I try to laugh at, at, at things because I know uh, cancer and amputations and things like that make people uncomfortable, you know, make people nervous. But I, I was walking out of the hospital, and I was probably 50 yards from the entrance or, or the exit, and there was a woman there, and, and she was staring really hard at me. And you could tell by the, the prosthetic or the cast or whatever, I, I forget what they called it, that I had on my foot, that I didn't have a foot anymore. And so I, I was making my way to the exit, and she was just really, really staring at me. And so I, I, I couldn't let that go. And, and I, as I was walking, I got right next to her and I looked over at her and I said, oh, don't worry about it, it'll grow back. And then I just kept walking. And I turned around to look at her and she had this look on her face like, will it, will, will it grow? Is, it, is he serious? You know, I, I mean, it was like, I, you know, you cancer is dark, it's ugly, but you can make it fun. You can make it, you know, hey, yes, I'm different. Yes, I'm in a wheelchair now. Yes, you know, I, I, I'm, you know, for me, I'm not basically looking at people's butts all day long because, you know, everybody's walking around and I'm kind of down here and stuff like that. And so I just kind of laugh at it and joke about it and stuff like that. And it's just one of those things that 
It's, it's really what handle you want to grab. Do you want to grab the handle of hope and faith? Or do you want to grab the handle of misery and despair? It's up to you. It's up to you. Again, it goes back to choices. Which one do you want to grab? I don't know how much time I have left on the face of this earth. I want to have as much fun as I can. So I sure as heck don't want to grab the handle of, of misery and discomfort. I love that. I love that. Humor, humor is um, most of the time a good uh, a good technique of uh, you know just lightening up the mood a little bit, especially when things get very um, dim and dark. It's uh, it's good to to shine a little light in the environment. You know. I agree. Okay, I got two more questions for you. Sure. First question is: Teach me something about life. That I do not know. Let me let me throw this out. You probably know it, but I don't know if you do it. Let's put it that way. One of the things that team sports taught me, and I started playing basketball when I was nine years old, and I played all the way up until I graduated from college when I was 21. And one of the things I learned from team sports was the importance of being part of something that's bigger than you. And you realized on a team that if you didn't do your job, not only were you letting yourself down, but you're letting your teammates down, your coaches down, your fans down, etc. And if you think about it, the biggest team game that we all play is this, excuse me, this game of life. And I am on a clinical trial drug now for the tumors in my lungs that more than likely will not save my life. But it very well may save the life of somebody five years from now or 10 years from now based on the blood work and, and all the data that the doctors get from that and the scans that I have and things like that. So being part of something bigger than yourself, for me, is realizing that what I'm going through now may not save my life, but it may save the life of another human being who I don't even know. I will never meet that person. But to me, that means my legacy is even more than when, you know, somebody, okay, you died, no big deal. Well, I died doing something that was bigger than me. I died doing something that potentially is going to help somebody down the road. So I don't know if you knew that or if you've ever thought about it that way, but that's that's what I throw out at you for that question. That was like the best possible answer you could give. Cause like that thought crossed my mind, but to make a connection as you did right now, that's never happened. So thank you for that. You're thank welcome. you. Uh, that's, I'm going to be thinking about that for a little bit. Uh, my second last question for you right now is what advice would you have for someone in their twenties? I'll tell you a story to answer that question. So uh, I've always been a big fan of Western television and movies growing up. Love Westerns. And my mom and dad used to let me stay up late and watch Bonanza and Gunsmoke and Wild Wild West. I know you're sitting there thinking, what, what's this guy talking about? I've never heard of those shows. You know, these are, these are things that they, they aren't on anymore, but, but I love them. 1993, and you may have seen this movie, the movie Tombstone came out, and it starred... Val Kilmer as a man by the name of John Doc Holliday and Kurt Russell by a man, uh, as a man by the name of Wyatt Earp. Now, Doc Holliday and Wyatt Earp were two living, breathing human beings who walked on the face of the earth. They're not made up characters just for the movie. Now, Doc was called Doc because he was a dentist by trade, 
but pretty much Doc Holliday was a gunslinger and a card shark. And Wyatt had been a lawman his entire life. And these two men from entirely opposite backgrounds form this very close friendship. And at the end of the movie, Doc is dying at a hospital in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, which is about three hours from my house. The real Doc Holliday died in that hospital, and he's buried in the Glenwood Springs Cemetery. And Wyatt, at this point in his life, is destitute. He has no money. He has no job. He has no prospects for a job. So every day he comes to play cards with Doc, and the two men pass the time that way. And in this scene, almost at the very end of the movie, the two men are talking about what they want out of life. And Doc says, you know, I was in love with my cousin when I was young, but she joined a convent over the affair. But she's all that I ever wanted. And then he looks at Wyatt and he says, what about you, Wyatt? What do you want? And Wyatt says, I just want to lead a normal life. And Doc says, there's no normal. There's just life. And get on with living yours. Hafiz, you and I both know. There are people out there that we know. They're kind of sitting back and they're like, you know what? When this happens, I'll have a normal life. When that occurs, I'll have a successful life. When this happens, I'll have a significant life. I guess the way I'd answer that question is this. Don't wait. Don't wait for life to come to you. Get out there. Find the reason you were put on the face of this earth and live that reason. Because if you do, I'm going to promise you two things. And I know some 20-year-old sitting out there thinking, I could care less what you're going to promise me at the end of my life. But I am going to promise you these two things at the end of your life. Number one, you're going to be a whole lot happier. And number two, you're going to have a whole lot more peace in your heart. I love that. Definitely a motivational speaker. You are definitely a motivational speaker. That Thank goes you. without saying. Um, but I love that, yes. Uh, I think I think that story kind of just put things into perspective there, um, which again, wonderful. Um, and, and yeah, I do, I do know a lot of people around me who are just sitting back, just literally not doing anything. Sometimes I try to talk to them, but you know, it doesn't do much. It is what it is. All I could do right now is just make sure that I do the best that I could and then we'll um, uh, just wait till life uh, deals each of us our own cards and we figure the rest out, you know? So yeah. All right. Uh, any last things that you would like to say right before we wrap up? No, I, I, I appreciate you having me on. I, I always say that it's nice people like you that allow me to come on and tell my story and hopefully between our conversation here today that we're going to make a difference in somebody's life. And if we do, then for me, today's been a good day. I love that. Thank you so much. I love that. Yo, I'm definitely going to learn a thing or two from you. I know that for a fact. Thank you again. Thank you to everyone who is taking the time to listen or watch this. And we will wrap it up here. And uh, yeah, I will talk to everyone later next week. All right. Take care.